Pants Warhorse here to tell you that you need to clean out your ears and open them up and start listening to the Demon Road Diaries podcast with Caden Green, Ronnie Rios, and Chelsea Durden. It's a pro wrestling podcast where they bring on all sorts of independent wrestling guests and they talk road stories and all sorts of road trips and all sorts of crazy shenanigans that happens behind the scenes. You can listen to it each and every Wednesday and, you know... Warhorse ever gets on there, you can hear about how many gas stations he's peed on the floor in. Anyways, you need to listen to this podcast, the Demon Road Diaries podcast, because it rules ass! And welcome to Demon Road Diaries. This is a fun one. We're doing something different. You know who our guests are? The fucking winners. Some fucking winners is who our guests are. We're our own guests this week. And we are talking about a documentary we watched this week. All of us watched in the last two weeks. And uh, we're doing like a a fucking recap. So that's what's up. But before we get into what we're recapping and what we doc watched, I think that's the term. uh, Let's tell them who the fuck we are. It's me. It's me. It's the owner of Puerto Rico. It's Caden Green. And it's your bastard son, Ronald Rivers. Uh, wow, <laughs> you threw me for a, a loop there. I wasn't prepared. I am <laughs> just barely clinging to the last bits of sanity available to me. Chelsea Durden! All right. So uh, yesterday we had a fucking adventure. Um <laughs> Did. So it was uh, the, I guess, the taping of Aaron Nova's birthday bash number two. Um, we wrestled in a fucking abandoned Qzar. Which is, for the uninitiated, a laser tag arena. We wrestled in a laser tag arena. So, like, we talked about it briefly last week about how we were going to be wrestling in a laser tag arena. And this... Like, I th- we thought, at least I thought, that this was, when they said abandoned laser tag arena, I th- assumed someone had painted over the fucking murals. All the fucking, like, space shit would be gone. Maybe, like, the vests would be gone. It would just be, like, a, like, I don't know, just a shell of what was once a fucking Qzar. Nah. Not at all. You would have thought this bitch closed yesterday. Yeah, it was like they closed at the end of the day, and they were like, here you go, kids. You can put your wrestling ring in the middle right here. That was, that was pretty baller. I unfortunately could not find anything that was uh, safe enough, as in could actually hold my weight, that I could climb over to descend into the ring. Uh, but other than that, it was pretty fucking baller. Yeah, yeah. We... Uh... We faced uh, the team of vague, the vaguely Puerto Rican team of Catalina Perez, the gifted uh, Wheezy T and Logan Cruz, and True Champ, um, who were, uh, when they were coming out to the ring, they were, um, uh, what did, what did... Um, they came out to Gasolina. They came out to Gasolina, and they were like... Uh, uh, Zach Romero, who was like representing Puerto Rico, and Logan Cruz was like, I mean, I'm just like partially Puerto Rican guys. Like, I'm basically like passing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was 
And then he gets in the ring, Logan. He's like, look, we're all vaguely Hispanic here. And I was like, I'm not. And they were like, well, shit. It was a good time, though. Fun stuff. Goth mm-hmm. Rangers reunion. We always love that shit. It, it was, um, I, you know, it's funny. I left that match being like, well, there were some things I liked about that. Uh and I thought it was like the clusterfuck to end all clusterfucks, but I got a lot of compliments about it. Everybody yeah. was just like, like, yeah, it was really funny. You guys, I had one person literally walk up to me and go, I don't know how you guys do it. I'm like, do what? It goes, you guys commentate over your whole match. I'm like cracking up. Like I can't, I don't know how you guys don't start laughing. And it's like easy. I don't think I'm funny. Yeah. <laughs> you just kind of talk our shit and that's like, I don't know. It, it, it was, uh, there's just so many moving parts to an eight person tag. Mm-hmm. And Especially an eight person elimination tag. Eight yeah. person elimination over the top rope or pinfall or submission elimination tag. And it was just like, I, everybody knew their parts. But I don't know if we necessarily, like, I don't know. It was, there was a lot going on, and I kind of, like, internally lost my shit after my Alabama slam turned into, like, some sort of weird inverted sit-out driver. Yeah, I've I've yet to review the tape on that, because I was, that happened right after, because that was in the waterfall spot, and I had just taken my move, like, the move that took me out, so, like, I had to go sell on the outside of the ring, so I didn't see this at all. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Good, what, 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 what?" That was Weezy like, goes for the up and over. Like I shoot him to the, I boot him, shoot him to the corner. He goes for the up and over. I catch his legs, uh, turn around, I bring him out to the center, and he's like pulling back and almost like pushing on like the back of my legs. I have no idea what I, what he was doing, but I lost my footing. And instead of crumpling down onto his head or his face, like, which is what would have happened. I was like, fuck it. And I just like kicked my legs out and basically just took a bump, but he was my back. I I think someone might call it like a pancake Canadian destroyer. That's pretty much a, Basically, like a pancake Canadian bacon. Yes. Yeah. We call this the Canadian bacon. Everybody lived. So I mean, if you can actually do that to where it uh, looks like a move, I I like the idea of a move being called the Canadian bacon. Sounds very (laughs) pleasing to me. Yeah, I was like. On the way down, I was like, fuck. And 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 Weezy was like, God damn, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, you motherfucker. But it looked like a move. It so, did like, look it like a like... move. So, so I was oh, like, God. I was I was alright about it. And he didn't die. That was like my most important Yeah. Thing. What was what was funny about it was when we were laying the match out, we literally we we assigned Weezy to you because we were like, Oh, he's the lightest member of his team, you can give your Alabama slam to him. And, and yeah, then that happened. Giving it to, you know, 120 pound girls. Not that I can't lift people. Heavier yeah. than I've given people larger than him, the Alabama slam. So like, yeah. 
well, was literally his momentum going backwards because he was like trying to help, and I was like, "No, don't help." Well, Just to, sit to there. be fair. It's like it wasn't a normal Alabama slam. I think it would have gone well if you had just given him a normal Alabama slam. But we were like trying to be fancy. Yeah. 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 We we all gussied up on a little bit of rust. So uh yeah. it's okay. It turned out cool. Um I got a really big pop when I Yakuza kicked um Catalina Perez. Like mm-hmm. the pop on it was like, whoa. And I was like, Yeah, I actually pulled back even no, oh, my face still hurts. Uh, I was like, I was like laying on Rios and Todd on the outside because we had all been eliminated at that point, and I heard the pop. I didn't actually see what had happened. And I was like, ah, oh, that looked good. Yeah, there's only like two or three things I do that I get like a oh fuck pop, and mm. that Yakuza. If I hear that pop, I know that I fucking like nailed. Like I can tell I nailed it from the gapping. But when I hear that pop, it's like, yes, that and fucking my um, crossbody catch into a Uranagi. Like, if I hear like a good fucking pop on that, I'm like, good, that looked pretty. And then like everything else, I'm like, yeah, they're not going to, they don't go fuck about what I do. Just kick people in the face. But we, uh, we, we won and um, we won Puerto Rico, apparently. I don't, how did it? How did it get to us saying that we won Puerto Rico? Because that's who I am as a person. Yeah, oh. literally. Like, I, if there's anything I've learned um, <laughs> from tagging with Caden for almost four years, it's that uh, when he just gets off on a tangent about something, just go with it. <laughs> Gotta follow the. Uh, oh, we can't. We can't not talk about the Legion of Gloom though, because that was really funny. Because yeah. first. Me and Todd came out and we did the full coda entrance. We did, you know, we put our hands over our hearts and we said, We are the coda. And then I was Caden, uh, Todd was Rios, and he ran around the ring a couple of times and went through the ropes. And I jumped on his back and we did the thing with the tongues. And then we looked at each other and we were like, Where's where's the guys? What, what's going on? And then this awesome fucking metal cover of the fucking, the fucking warriors. Music plays, and these assholes come out with their fucking gothy football pads, and it was just, like, spiky, like, amazing, and they do the fucking entrance because we don't show up anywhere unless we're booked strong. I think what led to, uh, to kind of go back, it's like uh, what led to we won Puerto Rico was we get, I, you know, like whatever, I get the pin, which, did you see that pin? Because I like fall yeah. back on him and I grab his toes and I pull his toes over me in this yeah. weird archy, like kooky sex position we're type. Like, we're like wearing his leg as a seatbelt, basically. Yeah. So, um, so I do that, and then I was like, we won the belts! And then, like, everyone comes in, and I'm like, wait a minute, there's no belts? We won Puerto Rico! And then Rio's like, we did win Puerto Rico! And everyone's like, <laughs> like, yes, we won Puerto Rico! That's what we're naming this episode, just so... Uh, <laughs> we won Puerto Rico. <laughs> Puerto Rico. Um, the rise and fall of, we'll talk about it in a second. Yeah. I mean, I felt good about it because I did a schoolboy in the match, and I don't know why, but there's like you guys have those. I don't know if any other wrestlers deal with this, but everybody else have like real simple things, real simple fucking things in wrestling that everybody does. 
but for some reason you just like have a weird mental block about it and you always do it kind of wrong mm-hmm. um uh, did you mean my the reason why i don't take hip tosses ever <laughs> Well, I, I can do a schoolboy. It's just, I don't know, for some reason I always like over-rotate on it or I don't get like a solid pin on it or I don't know. But uh, there the spot called it for me to uh, schoolboy fucking wheezy for the pin. And damn, if I did, damn, man, I got a crisp fucking schoolboy on him. Because that boy's fucking trained. He's fucking trained. God, imagine doing like a, a weird gimmicky goofball spot fest match in front of your trainer who is Jay Lethal because that's that's (sighs) well I got the one I got the one spot and I really wanted which is just like I'm gonna do my look how athletic I am spot which is I do the fucking roll under pop up to my feet roll under the lariat pop up to my feet counter the next lariat and then rotate into a short arm clothesline which I fall with like as soon as I did that I was like fuck yeah that was crisp that was fucking CJ. See, Dad, I can wrestle. <laughs> Dad, please love me. I didn't then, even. Then, I didn't even notice he was there. By the way, it's like I was standing next to Josh Woods, who like showed up out of the blue, and I was like, "Hey, buddy, what are you doing here?" And he was like, "Yeah, I'm just hanging out. You're not gonna say hi to Jay Lethal." And then I look around him, and then there's just an unassuming man in a hoodie with a mask i can only see his eyes and i can't even see his forehead so it's like just jay lethal's eyes and then i was like oh hey man, what are you, what's going on here what are you doing and he's like it's all right i blend <laughs> uh fucking um i didn't know he was there but how i figured it out was i was sitting in my chair getting painted because we did special road warrior paint for this one and uh, I just hear his laugh in the distance, and I'm like, motherfucker. Because <laughs> he's got, I don't know if anyone's ever heard Jay Lethal laugh, but he's just got this very distinctive, like, just like, ha! Yeah. Like, you know, you know, and I'm just like, oh, motherfucker. And then, like, I peer around and I see his fucking flip flops, and I'm just like, oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, we had a fun match. Um, there was a lot of fun matches on the card. Um, Snoop Strikes showed up to uh, to wrestle, so that was it's always cool when he shows up when he's not supposed to, or when we don't know he's going to be there. So yeah, always good seeing Snoopy do. Uh, my Snoopy. my husband got to wrestle. That was unexpected. Uh, you're welcome yes thank you for getting my husband on the show and um i actually left him in tampa because he did not win his party match Mm -hmm. um and only winners are allowed in this house so he's actually still there at qzar yeah you know all he just has to win his next two matches to right the wrongs and win back the honor of his family and he can return home and come home to me and our many, many cats. I remember when I was leaving, he was like, can I sleep at your house? And I said, I live in Palm Harbor. Wait, wait why is he Russian all of a sudden? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not... I was going for an Andre the Giant impersonation there. So well, I was going off. The Giant was French. Yes. Yeah, so oh, the... hey, guys, guess what? My husband's from the Middle East. <laughs> so uh, I Googled. I, I don't want to. I guess. Don't mean to go job. I just. I've been scrolling through the Google images for Blackcraft Wrestling because that's the topic of today's episode. 
And if you scroll down far enough, uh, there's a picture of me in a Black Craft Wrestling shirt. Oh, that's dope. Because I went to like an emo night wearing my Black Craft shirt, and someone took a picture of me, and I guess it popped up in the Google search. That's funny. But yeah, uh, so unlike the top, so we had a lot of fun. Show was successful. Uh, nobody got their throat slit. But unlike that, throat slitting. Yeah, uh, unlike that, the topic of today's episode is uh, uh, something near and dear to our hearts, as listeners would know. Uh, we are obsessed with the very short-lived, what five-month company that existed of Blackcraft Wrestling. <laughs> Like, I don't, long-time listeners of the pod will know that we bring it up at least, like, every three episodes, Mm -hmm. Um, if not just, like, subtle, like, jokes here and there, because, like, all right, look at us, we're demon road diaries, like, Mm -hmm. we're part of, like, a demon sex cult, obviously, the aesthetics alone of black craft wrestling is totally our bag. Like when I first found out about black craft wrestling, I was like, I will sell my kidney to be part of this shit. And then I would show off the scar and be like, this is what I had to do to be a part of this cult. Like I would put, I would make an angle out of it and everything. Um, but that's, that's not, that's not what happened. But what did happen <laughs> was uh, a lot. So to kind of preface before we get into the documentary and kind of like take it, I don't know, kind of piece by piece or chunk by chunk in its own right. um, If you haven't heard on the pod before, for some reason, this is your first time listening. uh, Me and Rios were at Black Craft No Apologies uh, WrestleMania weekend 2018. Uh, We were just hanging out, helping out uh, and just partying with, you know, uh, some of our past guests, actually, uh, like Willow Nightingale, um, uh, fucking Solo Darling, possibly future guests uh, that were also there. So um, we we were there to experience the moment uh, that was Black Craft, no apologies. Um, So there was a documentary that recently dropped about a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks, I guess two weeks uh, when this pod airs right for free on youtube yeah and you can watch it for free on youtube there's like uh, excuse me 7500 people that have watched it so far there's a lot of comments um from like random people that were there or people that were involved at any of the the um blackcraft shows my favorite comment on there was i bet god canceled them So, uh, okay, let's take it from the beginning, I guess. So it chronicles, like, essentially the owner of Blackcraft. Um, wait, 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 wait. But I, I want to preface before we begin we, what, what we're talking about exactly in terms of the source material here. So on YouTube, so this is on YouTube totally for free. It's about an hour long. It's worth your time, in my opinion, if you're a fan of independent wrestling or if you've had any curiosity about this company I, I, I highly recommend it. It's well done. It's by a director named Benjamin Falbo. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, basically, uh, he managed to get together about uh, five or six people uh, connected with Blackcraft, um, including G-Raver, Soraya Knight, uh, 
um, <clears throat> Zicky Dice, um, the last champion, Matthew Justice, and one of the main head honchos of it, Brandon Lombardo, um, and basically really document the history of the company, how it came to be, some of the inner workings of it, and then kind of really in detail documenting that final no apology so uh the weekend of wrestlemania 35 and kind of why everything happened the way it did um and uh so as soon as we found out this was coming out we were just like giddy as shit like i know i was i was just like oh my god someone read my letters <laughs> yeah, it's like somebody's <laughs> it it, it... I wanted it for just so long. I just needed to know what mm -hmm. happened. And it was a real blessing. Like, mm -hmm. my God. Like, go go watch the doc. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, basically, what we're going to attempt to do then is kind of go in chronological order in the order that doc goes in and talk about all the things they bring up, the, the head figures, the stories they tell, and kind of specific events and kind of our interpretation of things and, and, and kind of some things I think we could add just of like um, people who were at that last show and just, and just, yeah, just talking about and just how they responded to everything. So um, Kaden, if you want to kind of kick off, how did, how did Blackcraft come to be? What, where did Blackcraft wrestling come from? Okay. So, so for the last few years, uh, there's this company called Blackcraft that does t-shirts and it's like mostly occult stuff, like mostly black and white. Um, they're like kind of big in the fashion industry and they're based out of uh, California. Um, so the owner of Blackcraft and his roommate, um, uh, like the owner of Blackcraft woke up his roommate one day at like one o'clock in the afternoon and was like, Hey, Blackcraft wrestling. That's it. Like he just said that. And the guy's like, okay, fuck. Yeah. I'm okay. I'll wake up. Let's do this. So they had enough connections between like Paige being a big supporter of their line, like WWE's Paige, uh, and do what? And Seth Rollins. Rollins and Seth Rollins working with Black and Brave as well. So um, they had been working with some wrestlers and bringing in their stuff. I think they were working with Marty Skrull for some shirts prior to this, uh, or um, prior to the idea of Black Rifle Wrestling. Um, but a lot like. Um, the the dude that you taught Brandon in the in the documentary is the roommate who was like yeah let's fucking let's do it why not fuck it so they uh, they put together some stuff with a couple other promoters uh, a promoter in Pittsburgh for their plan to run their first show in an abandoned um, church an old abandoned church they reached out to uh, Bill Moeller Molar Molar um, from I want to say it's called Vicious Outcast Wrestling, and he worked with them to knock out the first promos where they built a ring in the middle of um, uh, middle of the woods, and uh, in those videos you see um, what are they called? Druids. Yeah, there's druids, there's like but like druids, basically. Yeah, so that so they uh, there's druids basically carrying the ring to the middle of the woods for them to set it up like uh, board by board pole by pole etc and to set up this ring in the middle of nowhere and that's how 
I believe it was Matthew Justice and G Raver. That's how they got involved because there was kind of like an open call, like, hey, we're doing some vague wrestling bullshit in the middle of the fucking woods. Uh, who's up for it? And uh, Matthew Justice and G Raver were like, fuck it. And they went. And that's how they became part of what would eventually become Blackcraft Wrestling out of that first promo. Now, I don't remember exactly. Is that's the preacher did show up in that first promo, correct? Yeah, and then I think the two people that were in the ring with him was, um, I think they're called Pretty and Proper or something like that. It's uh, Frost. Oh, Lady Frost and the Savage Gentleman. Yeah, so uh, those are the two that are in that ring, but they never like brought that to light. I just know who Lady Frost is from her recently being on Beyond. Uh, the two of them, Pretty and Proper, I think is what they're called. Um, something like that, but they're—I uh, think they're local to the area, um, yeah. so they were involved. In that, or, and I think they're—they're they're known by uh, Bill uh, Millar, and they uh, so they were there for the filming of the promo. Just like they were being like indoctrinated into the cult. It's like he yeah. came and he had like the chalice of blood and like fed that to her and fed that to him. So this is what kind of starts building the storyline of this chalice. And the preacher and how he essentially is creating a cult that he wants people to join. And the preacher is played by none other than horror cult classic icon Doug Bradley of fucking Hellraiser movies. Yeah. So that's just insane in and of itself. But, uh, yeah, so... They kind of get there. So that that was a big thing they touched on in the in the formation of the promotion is that they wanted to do something different. They wanted to do a promotion that had a lot of production value, did a lot of online content, told an overarching overarching story uh, throughout all their shows, and kind of you know had this macabre, dark uh, aesthetic to it. And so uh, this all builds to after, after they start to do those initial vignettes in the forest and start their, you know, join the cult series, they build to their first show, Burning Bridges in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, and one of the things I thought was interesting was they interview Zicky Dice throughout this documentary. And Zicky talks about how at this time in his career, like he had he had just started basically like. Yeah. He had just like, graduated from Black and Brave. Yeah. And uh, he was just like hard selling himself, trying to get on this card. And um, basically was told, listen, man, like we would love to have you, but we just we, we don't feel like we could pay for you right now. And he's like, well, what if I fly myself out there? And they're like, if you get yourself here, I can get you something. And so he literally he's in California, so he flies himself out to uh, Pittsburgh and to be on the kickoff show uh, against KTB. And, uh, you know, we I, I wouldn't say that that's a good blanket approach to how to, you know, I always say, you know, you know your worth, don't overextend yourself. But I also admire someone who's willing to bet that hard on themselves. Mm-hmm. And yeah. 
really does depend I, yeah I, because oh, yeah. it's like yeah, you do have to like there comes times where you do have to take that risk spend that mm. money and jump into the unknown and see if it's gonna pan out or not you know like we did something similar recently the three of us um if like had i been in his position oh see, yeah i would have done it like yeah. i absolutely would have done the same thing but that's because we're that's because we're goth boy thick um, yeah but also i think you could see like based on that first card this the star be- power falling in reverse played a live set um it's got all this backing all this production like and so it's not just aesthetically pleasing so it's like it's the combination of okay this is like a real company that's really got some some bankroll to it some effort behind it but also you could tell that it's something special you know i know ziki dice um him and i have a mutual love of like vanna and like he, he obviously like he he like he's one of those people that's like i've noticed he's deeply connected to the metal scene and everything so it's like he could see that this was a special thing that like, I need to be a part of this, whatever this is and whatever I can do to be a part of it. I just need to be a part of it. And he know, and he knows that if I can be on the ground floor, if I can be on the first fucking show, then like that sets me apart and puts me into a position to where I can build on this, like unlike anyone else. And sure enough, like he was pretty much on every show and, was promoted and, 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 you know, and pushed. So it's like, it, and that was definitely a factor in him, uh, getting the exposure he needed to go to move on to bigger things. So it's like, so basically this is just me saying good on you, Zicky Dice. You fucking, you're a fucking worker. Yeah. Um, proud of you. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, they have their first show in a, uh, abandoned monastery which is so fucking cool i can't even like i can't even act like professional about it i'm like that's so fucking cool because <laughs> yeah. not only wasn't it abandoned monastery it was like an old gothic architecture like as old as like that type of architecture can be in the united mm-hmm. states um it'd still but be standing yeah still yeah. be standing that that's like that was like some 13 colonies era shit and it and it was just like the most aesthetically it's like this is what Chelsea's wrestling company would look like and they just they wrote me a letter and they were like you want this as someone who dragged his ass through 12 years of catholic school that would have been very pleasing to have a fucking dark fucking wrestling show in there <laughs> a demon show inside the god place yeah. i think the only way to like up the spooky goth factor would be to wrestle in the actual church used in Home Alone. <laughs> that is the only other option. Like, I, I see no other. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that event happens. It's fucking huge. It blows up all over the fucking internet. It's available on, was available on Fight TV. I guess it's still available on Fight TV. So yeah. for like 15 bucks, you can go back and watch that. Your main event was um, Jimmy Havoc. Johnny Blackcraft, which is obviously John Morrison, uh, and Brody King for the title. Along with that, um, OVE and Butcher in the Blade. Um, PCO was there, Soraya Knight, Britt Baker, uh, mm-hmm. Taya Valkyrie. 
So there was like a fucking stacked card for that show. Like to say the least, every one of those people for the most part is either in ROH, Impact, or WWE, or canceled. <laughs> you'll find a lot of that as we go through this. Uh... Oh my god, the, the Mania show is literally like, are they more famous or are they canceled? Like that's the fucking run. <laughs> There's no in between. <laughs> um. All right, so yeah, so things start rocking and rolling for Blackcraft Wrestling. Uh, they start talking about in the documentary about the Matthew Justice storyline and how they were really invested in this deal. Yeah. Um, what did you guys think of like the Join the Cult series they did with Matthew Justice involving a lot of shenanigans, namely uh, Doug Bradley driving a car straight into a wrestling ring? Yeah. yeah like, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to say this so many times throughout this episode, but like, that is like so my shit. I was like, fuck yes. I was like watching every vignette. Like I was such a hardcore mark for Blackcraft Wrestling. I couldn't I couldn't handle it. It's like I love the Matthew Justice um Preacher Join the Cult like series. Like all the vignettes were cool as hell. Just like watching a video of Doug Bradley whistling calmly to himself as he drives a car into a wrestling ring like and i don't mean like up into the ring i mean he crashes the car into the ring and Mm. it, it, it was just um it was so surreal and obviously so different from what any type of indie company had really tried to pull off before uh just coming at it with so many different angles it's like here's this horror icon here's these cool bands and then here's these deep cinematic uh horror movie storylines so that's where they try to kick things off with the master matthew justice preacher storyline where basically the preacher wants to recruit matthew justice but he's like nah (laughs) nah fam (laughs) he was like i'm good uh, I'll take that title, but I don't want to join that cult. Yeah, I, I, I ain't going to do it. I don't want to sip a shatless full of blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, after the fucking Join the Cult series, they went into their second show, which uh, took place at um, the yearly Every Time I Die Christmas Spectacular type thing um, that they called ghosts of spirit spirits of the dead spirits Spirits of the dead dead. that was their christmas show in buffalo new york yeah so Um, uh, it's in buffalo home of every time i die which obviously um i'm a fan of if you've seen my knee pads uh we're a fan of because you know like me and ria rios is are you literally wearing one of their shirts right now i'm literally in my every time i die tank top right now so yeah i was to every time I die on the way to get uh, frozen yogurt uh, just before we started recording. Yeah. So, um, and then obviously we like Butcher and the Blade because Andy. And because. <laughs> like old Andy. Old Andy um, boy. But uh, so they, in the, this is the part in the documentary where they start to say that um, some of the cracks kind of start to show a little bit. Um, namely, there seems to be a. a um, What's the word I'm looking for? There seems to be um, a, uh, like a schism forming between like 
the Blackcraft people and kind of Bill, who's the wrestling person. Yeah. Um, now, this isn't something that explicitly they go into in the documentary because surprisingly, Bill is not interviewed for this documentary, nor is um, Bobby, the other like owner of Blackcraft. The guy who actually owns the Blackcraft cult uh, yeah. shirt brand. or yeah. apparel brand. Yeah. I, um, I because uh, like 80% of my wardrobe is Blackcraft. Yeah. Um, and before I go into that, there it was interesting. Like, so in this documentary, they do interview uh, Ziggy Dice, who has the fun fact of being the first Blackcraft match and the last Blackcraft match. Um, uh, they interview Matthew Justice, the last champion. They interview Soraya Knight, their women's champion. Um, and like I said, they did interview Brandon Lombardo, who was heavily involved with a lot of the production and planning. But um, yeah, just it's interesting to me that like a lot of the um, kind of company questions are are answered solely by Brandon. Yeah, and I kind of wish there we could have gotten perspective from Bill and Bobby because obviously Bobby's the money and Bill's the wrestling, and Brandon's trying to speak for all of them. And it seemed to me when this as this company got ahead of it got going it became this divide of like, well, we have this money, so let's book all these really famous wrestlers. Yeah. But then you get these cards that are crowded and, oh, and just... Oh, overbooked. The Christmas show was ridiculous. I, I think there was like one singles match and everything else was just like multi-man on top of multi-man on top of multi-man. Yeah. Uh, no, there well, were two there was The women's three. match. Yeah, there was three in total. There was Johnny Blackcraft versus... Uh, the preacher's chosen son. There was Ty of Valkyrie versus Soraya Knight, and there was uh, Victor Benjamin with Lady Frost against Ace Austin. Yeah, that's the Savage Gentleman. Yeah. So those are your, everything else at that point was a six a six 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 man match, a three uh, six man tag match, which was Demarcus Kane and the main event, but not the main event we're friends with the other main event. That's like a sports ball team type of gimmick uh, against G Raver KTB and uh, stockade. So it was like three very athletic dudes versus three um, deathmatch dudes. So um, other than that, uh, Lord's Ziggy was in that 666 man with yeah. Puff, uh, Kevin Blackwood, Dick Justice, Dick Justice. Yeah. Daniel Harilla, I don't know who that is, and Kevin Bennett. Um, there was also a three man with Lord Crew, Vinny Palafilio, or however you fucking say that, and Connor Braxton. I only know of this Vinny Palafinio guy because he trained. JT Dunn, from what I've heard. Um, and then Butcher and the Blade versus OVE. So it was a stock card. It was like all in all, it was a stock card. It was a bunch of fucking big names at the time or big names now, essentially. And yeah. it's, this is the first, but certainly not the last time where they run into, we literally have too much great talent. Mm-hmm. Um 
and we don't have enough time to use them, which is how this 666-man scramble that Zicky Dice won was literally five minutes long. Yeah. yeah. To the point where um, they, he actually he talks about it and says that he made it there just in time with his flight, and then he actually had to hop on a flight and not even stay for the whole show uh, yeah. to get back to California. After his six-minute match. And he was like... At that time, he was a little bit frustrated about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because, like, you could kind of see the uh, the cluster. And even Brandon Lombardo calls that show a cluster. Of yeah. uh, what's happening. Not that there were any, like, bad matches or, like, any ridiculous production faux pas or anything. Mm-hmm. But it was just kind of the beginning of showing... Like the wrestling guy and the production guy and the money guy all kind of want different things. Yeah, yeah. I think it was uh, booked by multiple people, and then when they got it together, they were like, "Oh fuck, uh, we really booked a lot of fucking people." <laughs> um, but I think where you were going, Rios, is the main event of that. Uh, well, I want I did want to touch on this. I have this in my notes, literally written as the Killer uh, Cross bullshit. Um, so this is the part of the documentary that really frustrated me. And and I'm not saying this, like, fuck this documentary. I was just like, it's more like, I feel like Brandon Lombardo started to explain a story and then realized it would look really bad if he continued this answer. So he kind of like just quickly condensed his answer. Um, so they, they promote this match for the title. It's Johnny Blackcraft versus an unknown opponent. It's the preacher's chosen son. And so they talk about how in the show it's revealed that it's Killer Cross. And Killer Cross comes out in the trench coat and the big horror mask and he rips it off. And he's like, ah, I'm your opponent, Johnny. And they have a match and Johnny beats him. And it's like, okay, that's over. Um, But um, in the doc, they talk about how Killer Cross wasn't the first choice. It was supposed to be Luchasaurus, which I would have been like, holy shit, I want that. Because then he's used to wrestling in a mask, and we could have had this mass wrestler match, and it would have been, um, I don't know, it just it, it felt like it would have worked better, but whatever, I get it. Sometimes you book something and it doesn't work out. My yeah. issue with this documentary is, they just mentioned, oh, it was supposed to be Luchasaurus. Yeah, like, they, they mention it offhandedly, even though, like, the entire company was, like, at this point building around this story of the Preacher's mm-hmm. Chosen Son to, you know, like, take back the title or what mm-hmm. have you. And they did so many vignettes about it um, and different things on the internet, like, building this thing. And then it turns out it's, it's Killer Cross, and then, you know, they have the thing, and it's, like, um, and then they just like never mention it again. They never mention yeah. it in Blackcraft again, and they never mention it in the documentary again. Well, they just just like an offhanded comment, like "Oh, it was supposed to be Luchasaurus," but we got just, yeah. It's like because they literally said like it was supposed to be Luchasaurus, and then they're like, and you know we we were gonna film all these vignettes that were like leading up to the December show it was gonna be a new Join the Cult series, and 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 we got the mask made, but you know, and then he doesn't say anything, and then he goes. But, you know, we already had promoted this match, so I had to deliver something, and I had seen Killer Cross on Impact, so I was like, let's get that guy. And yeah. I'm like, well, you didn't answer why Luchasaurus didn't do it. So 
Like the only thought that I had is it has to be a, it had to have been a scheduling conflict or something. Like maybe he had already been booked and they had the idea in their head and they were like, "Yeah, let's reach out to Luchasaurus." And Luchasaurus was like, "I would, man, but I'm in Canada or something." Because it couldn't have been that he was already signed to ROH because Luchasaurus was booked on the Mania show. Yeah, for the he was he never signed with ROH. He just worked a couple of dates for them. Mm. Oh, okay. So, yeah. um, I so. Who knows? Maybe uh, my only logical thought is that Luchasaurus was had another booking in another location. I, I mean, I don't. Again, I don't want to bury the company, but it seemed like just going back to what we talk about, how there's these three talking heads, and I don't feel like they were ever on the same page. Yeah, I feel like they had the production side, had the idea, yeah. and they were like, and they were already gangbusters on it. Like, all right, let's go. Let's get the mask made. Let's shoot this. We're gonna promote it. Let's put out the graphic. Like. Johnny Black Johnny Blackcraft versus the Chosen Son, and then it was I don't know whose responsibility it was to contact Luchasaurus, but by the time they contacted Luchasaurus, they were like he was like oh, I can't man I'm booked that day, mm-hmm. and so they were like fuck. <laughs> I mean it could have it could have been something else um, like he could, maybe it could have been a funeral or something family related, but like they don't go into it, and I mean I mean the most logical thing at least for us as wrestlers that they were already booked somewhere yeah. else um so yeah that's where the uh cracks start to form in the pavement um that is the house that Blackcraft built um but the thing they really wanted they really harped on in this documentary that i thought was interesting was they are super proud super proud of the pco scarification promo Okay. To them, yeah. that's like their chef's kiss, that holy grail. Like, de grace, their coup yeah. de grace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did yeah. you guys think of the piece promo? I, I, I was like, I already knew that PCO is quite literally not human. Um. Anyway, <laughs> I said the thing in the thing. Um. So. I wouldn't say it was like, oh my God, PCO left a hole in his flesh for this. Um, but it, it was, they, went, they went really into it because they really wanted to use uh, PCO, um, especially as part of this, like, you know, supernatural occulty uh, vibe that they have for Blackcraft. And PCO had the idea. Um, and wanted to do, he's like, do you guys, do you guys know anybody who like specializes in scarification? And they were like, what? So they put out an ad and it's just some like random dude who I think is also a tattoo artist who had no idea what he was getting himself into, um, and just shows up and PCO is like, yeah, I want you to like cut my flesh so we put a car battery in it, you know? Yeah. Um, and they were super duper, like, and the production value of it was like wild. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was, it was great, but they show that like, yes, actually they carved this jagged scar into PCO's chest and it bled a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, they were kind of, I think, 
correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon Lombardo did mention at one point that they were kind of looking at each other like, is this, is this too much? Are we doing, are we doing too much here? And then they were like, nah, it's not, not too much. It's not too much. It's fine. Uh, and that they really, really love working with, uh, with PCO. So that, that whole thing was just like, I remember when that hit the internet and I was like, huh, okay. We're doing I'm, this. I'm I'm intrigued, and I'm now a little less facetious about s- actually selling my kidney to get on a bra- black craft show because I think they might actually take it. Um. So between so this that would be the second of the technically four shows that Black Craft ran in their nine months of being a company. Uh, the third one is debatably a show because it's like a crossover show with um i want to say it's called destiny wrestling uh, uh destiny wrestling my only note here is because the show was called the ritual and my only note here is the ritual it was weird parentheses canada hates us yeah <laughs> so that they they you can tell like uh brandon specifically like didn't really like that show because it wasn't fully theirs and they didn't have a lot of you know control over it and he felt like walking in they were kind of like the heels because it's like it's oh we got to use all their guys too and all the people they booked and kind of like put them over with all but also like putting our shit over and it was really weird and Mm -hmm. so this show um like we said takes took place in canada um and uh, well, it pinned Destiny's champions and stars, which Destiny's a big money product, a big money promotion in Canada, um, comparatively to like most promotions. Um, there, uh, the main event was Johnny Blackcraft versus PJ Black, um, formerly known as Justin Gabriel from the WWE. Um, Simon Gotch made it, his debut there. Uh, Mike Elligan was there. The um, one of the the big matches on the card, Soraya Knight defended her title against Shotzi Blackheart. Um, so that was insane. And then like Ace Austin, G Raver, Chris Dickinson, Josh Alexander, OVE. So it was a stacked fucking card. It just didn't go the way they wanted it to. And I think it was like it was like any of these other like collaboration shows that like you see where um, it's really whoever's building it is it's their show. The other people are just throwing money or wrestlers at this, at the fucking thing and seeing if it'll float. Um, This is also still available on fight TV. Um, And I think you can buy it for like 15 bucks. So I'm looking at the there's a Chris Dickinson versus Michael Elgin match on this show. I kind of want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> there's also something called a blood ritual death match. Ooh, yeah, what's well, ritual death match. I mean, I kind of probably just answered the question. I myself. feel like I mean, I'll have to go watch it, but I don't know. It just immediately sounds like you have to drink the blood to win. That's. I mean, there is a theme here of like drinking blood throughout mm-hmm. the entirety of Black Raft Wrestling's runs, so that wouldn't surprise me at all. No. But speaking of drinking blood, before we get to the big daddy, before we get to the fucking coup de gras, as you say, of this promotion and kind of what brought it down, 
I do want to talk about a segment in the documentary in which they kind of focus on um, what they felt like was the wrestling community's perception of them and kind of how even before the No Apology show, they felt like they were fighting, uh, they were kind of going against the tide. Um, so basically they, they talk about how they felt like they were in this like uphill struggle because wrestling fans are typically very religious and they just couldn't handle how satanic everything was. And I kind of was just sitting here going like, I, I mean, you can think that if you want, but that's not what was going on. <laughs> well, if you're specifically referring to the uh, God and country uh, folk in the deep, deep South watching good old, you know, territory wrestling from like the 70s and the 80s. But like, that's not wrestling anymore. And that's not wrestling fans anymore. And that hasn't been for a really long time now. So it's like wrestling is, is a lot like, you know, the field of dreams quote is just build it and they will come. We've been doing spooky cult shit since like the early nineties with undertaker man and Kane. They tried to sacrifice the billionaire owner of the company's daughter on like a spooky cross. Like, like that's not, yeah. This isn't Steve new. Austin literally got hung by that same cross on Monday Night Raw. Like, yeah, like you know, it's not new to yeah. Work. And also, it's like it wasn't like those things were a distant memory. It's not like you can be like, oh well, you know, Ministry of Darkness, Brood, all that shit. That was in the Attitude Era. It's like we're coming off the heels of like five years of Bray Wyatt promos, and we haven't even gotten to the Fiend yet. it's it's like you're you're like don't get me wrong i love blackcraft i love the aesthetic i love the approach i i wanted to see where that could go obviously when you got heavy hitters like doug bradley in there like i want to hear this man cut promos for fucking days um but like i don't know man like your production value is good but it's not anything i haven't seen on wwe you just have more blood like that's all it is it was just bloodier it's and more graphic it's like someone gave ECW a uh, better budget for stage work. Yeah, it's like you gave ECW WWE's budget. Yeah. You know. Which, so, you know, it's, it's just weird to kind of like, like that, that was the problem. That, yeah. that, you know, people just like didn't get it or didn't like it. It's like, well... Obviously, that's not, you know, really true because, like, the Blackcraft clo- clothing line is so fucking successful. Yeah. yeah. And you could say, like, oh, well, you know, we just didn't well, – because you could be like, oh, well, they're trying to say they didn't have the crossover with wrestling fans that they thought they would have. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, their events always sold well. Mm-hmm. Their events always did well. Like, and that's why, like, everybody on the show isn't exclusively, like, gothic characters. Like, you book – Fucking Brick Bake, Britt Baker. You book Dick Justice. Yeah, like you, um, fucking Johnny Blackcraft is your champ. Like Johnny John Morrison's your fucking champion. Yeah, like you know, like you obviously know who the popular indie wrestlers are. So that's all you have to do. It's like I get it if there's like people you want to push, like Soraya Knight and Jimmy Havoc and Darby Allen and whoever. But it's like culture types of characters. Yeah, but like all you have to do is book 
wrestlers that people know and people like, and they'll fucking show up. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it doesn't matter what your angle on it is. Yeah, it's, you know, I'm like, there's a, there's a pocket, and, and even if not specifically, like, super indie wrestling fans are not the people that your shit appeals to, there's, like, there's pockets of goth and counterculture and punk and all that shit in every fucking major city in America that will go to anything spooky. So even if you're not finding your place amongst um, people who regularly go to independent wrestling shows, there's still a market for what you're doing just based on the aesthetics alone. So it kind of was a really perplexing thing that they touched on. But you know what else they touched on? Fucking Doug Bradley's fucking throat. it's time to talk about it it's time to get to it it's time to hit it the grand finale the main event let's fucking punt the fucking nail in the coffin it's no apologies this normally would be our rowdy rowdy bout about it except um it's just rowdy rowdy and nobody (laughs) would I mean, I was kind of about. I was a little bit about about it. (laughs) I was about it about about it like like all the way through, but like the genuine, like the the general consensus of 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 the the masses was like not at all bad about it. Set the scene, Caden. What what's going on? What's happening? Why are things the way they are? (laughs) All right, so we're going to start off with the fact that this follows Joey Janela's spring break, which is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, Mania Week shows, period, obviously, besides Mania. So Joey Janela's spring break runs about 30 minutes behind and takes basically all the time they had to set up all the lighting rigs, this, that, and the next. And the team at Blackcraft says... Fuck the lighting rigs. We have the projector. We'll do the projector. We'll be fine. Um, and at this point, they know that they're missing some people or there's there's problems with some of the matches um, and that they've had to make changes to those matches um, so far. But they're walking into a midnight show that's supposed to end at 2.30 um, with a 10-segment or 10-match card. And a series of segments and videos that aren't going to fit what they need. Like, even if they weren't 30 minutes shorted, and even if they didn't set up any lighting rigs or anything along those lines, they would have went over, period. Like, just the amount of time, because there was 10 matches involved, one of which is a battle royal. um, And uh, to kind of start off the first match of the whole uh, adventure. Well, don't Listen. forget, don't don't forget, Caden. There's already other things against them here because Jimmy Havoc shows up injured and he can't work, so they have to change that. PCO signed with ROH, so that whole thing was also scrapped. So, so I was gonna, yeah, I kind of wanted to get um, into those piece by piece while we go through the matches. So um, I was gonna say before we get into the matches. This is arguably one of the best 
parts of the entire documentary is that once they get to this show, it's pretty much all just explained by Matthew from Botchamania. <laughs> and he's just, just like, hello, part I'm of Matthew, the and I'm going to talk to you about Black Craft Wrestling, single-handedly <laughs> the worst show in professional wrestling. <laughs> so, and uh, Matthew from Botchamania was like talking about how he was, while this was going on, he was getting tweets from people, emails, fucking Facebook messages, all this shit being like, you need to you need to watch this Blackraft show because it's literally a fucking gold mine for you. You could yeah. even do like 10 minutes and it would be a full fucking episode's worth of tomfoolery and bullshit. So uh, also before we get into the matches, the seating plan, the seating chart that they had sold was not the seating chart that was set up by the venue. So they had to then redo the seats while they were trying to do multiple other things. Now, the other thing I want to touch on though, because we were so this is the one thing we can say about this we were there we were at this fucking venue and we were at this show and i don't know how to explain this because it this was the part of the documentary that really affected me because i was like oh i was there for that but what was fucked up was like they're talking about in so much detail about all the things that were going wrong all the things that had to happen and i remember we got there we pulled up pretty much right as they were starting load-in, right? No, we showed up um, while the clusterfuck was happening for Jimmy, Joey Janela's spring break. Okay, so break, spring break was still on. Okay, so, so we, sho- we show on. up. We're going to be running late. And, you know, it's so weird that, like, they talk about, like, like uh, Brandon talks about how stressed he was and just, oh, we're so fucked, we're so fucked, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is right, we don't have this, and... I remember we pulled up and like Bill, the wrestling guy, was just like, hey, guys. And we were like, um, is there something we can do, Bill? And he's just like, uh, if you want to grab these merch boxes, just bring them inside. That was it. That's all we fucking did. Mm-hmm. He did. Nobody was like on us to like help with seating or rigging or anything. It was just like, it's just it's just it's just there. <laughs> so we were so, like. That Boston. sense of urgency, that sense of dread was not there. I don't know, like, what? <laughs> I mean, at least to the people that we had been talking to at that time, it was like, everyone was just, all I remember them saying is, like, spring break ran over by way too fucking long. Spring break ran over by way too long. Like, I remember that seed being planted, like, essentially the second I walked in, we walked in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first match of the card, uh, if you look at... Um, Fight TV's page for it, it's still set up like the way it was supposed to be. It was set up that uh, it was supposed to be... um, So the card on Fight TV is all fucked up. It's totally out of order. But it's supposed to... They opened up with a Devil's Den match, which was supposed to be Jimmy Havoc versus G-Raver. But unfortunately, Jimmy Havoc had another death match the night prior and cut his bicep wide fucking open. There was like... I don't remember the number of stitches, but it was grody as fuck, and he was not allowed to wrestle this show. Mm-hmm. So um, they scrambled and scrambled, and they pulled from out of the um, Baphomet Battle Royal. They pulled Shellac and moved him, or Schlack, and moved him to this match, which... Um, That's the first mistake you made. Yes. So because... and we've said Go this ahead, before, sorry. like, it's no disrespect to Schlack. Uh, he's a phenomenal deathmatch wrestler. He's a phenomenal guy. Super nice. We've been around him multiple times. Um, 
just a nice dude. Um, but Jimmy Havoc and Schlack are just like not comparably on the same level, uh, popularity wise. Now, that being said, he got a pop when he came out. Like, we watched the match. Like, they had a perfectly fine match. I would say they actually had one of the better matches on the night um, just because it was a good opener. But the problem was is that the match you advertised is Jimmy Havoc versus G-Raper, and that wasn't going to happen. And under normal circumstances, like where you're not under a huge time crunch, yeah, whatever, put Schlack in there, give him a shot. He w- He did great. It's more of the thing of you're at the point now where you have to really be thinking about cutting shit. And if one of your matches isn't going to go on as advertised, no matter what, just cut that match. It's not, it's like G Raver, you will live to fight another day. And like, because if you had cut that match, that match, I have the cage matchup, that match went a reported 843, but that's not including the 30 minutes of like setup and tear down. Because they had to tear down the ropes, put up the chain and then as soon as their match was over, they had to tear down the chain ropes and then put up the normal ropes again. It's like, if you had just cut that match and started with, like, the tag team title match, you would have saved yourself so much fucking time. Yeah. Maybe not do the crucifixion thing that happened before. Oh, we didn't even talk about the fucking crucifixion. So that's the thing. Oh, that did happen. The fucking... So, fun fact, and they talk about this in the documentary, the guy who gets crucified on stage is the guy that did PCO scarification. So, yes. he's useful, if nothing else. He's a team player. He's a big, big, he gets the team player. He gets that gold star with the blood dripping from it. Team fucking player. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, he gets crucified live yeah. on This is not like oh, he's got, like, fucking, uh, like, nail gimmicks, and he's actually yeah. just, like, tied. Yeah, this wasn't like when Sandman got crucified and they kind of just vaguely tied him to the fucking cross. No, this fucker got spikes driven through his wrist. Into the cross. Yeah. And then they lifted the cross up. Now, granted, he was not hanging solely from these spikes like mm. there was like this little like thing built at the bottom that he was actually standing on um but spikes went through flesh spikes through flesh which adhered to the cross and they crucified a man live on internet television mm-hmm. yes. um so so that happens um which took forever. That was running. that's another that was like another and also they're running now to their credit, what I was talking about earlier, where if you're gonna have a story intensive promotion, you should be running promo packages before all your matches. So they were doing that. They were running these promo packages explaining the Matthew Justice storyline. And it was one of those things where it was just like it's so late at night, it's like one in the fucking morning. Everyone is fu- – like the building's packed, but they're fucking hammered. Everyone is drunk, tired, probably confused and horny. Like it is just a weird energy in that room. <laughs> Nobody gave a fuck about these promo packages. They just were – just, just, and it's like, again, I would have been in the mindset of we need to cut shit. We need to cut shit. We need to cut shit. Yeah, no promo packages. Just go wrestle. Just go wrestle. Just go wrestle. Yeah, people um, need to see matches. They like the the stuff like the 
fucking slitting the throat um, or the like. I know they paid for this like expensive fucking yeah prosthetic. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. We'll um, get to- so I know OVE got promo time because they were the tag champs, and again, just just unnecessary. Nobody gives a shit, especially fuck Dave Chris. Like we know, <laughs> no one he doesn't need a mic. Um, so you have a what was supposed to be a gaunt. So this was the one change they made where I was like, okay, so you understand that changes had to be made, but you, this was like seemed to be the only one you did. There was mm-hmm. supposed to be a gauntlet match, so it was supposed to be like five tag teams, one after another, elimination style. Yeah. Um, instead, they all get squeezed into a five-way, one-fall tag team match that goes three minutes and forty-six seconds. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, from what I remember personally being there, uh, Ov and Butcher and the Blade were outside brawling. Um, some other team was outside brawling, and then main event, and I want to say. I think they pinned La Familia de Tijuana. Yeah. Um, we're having a match inside of the ring, which, like we said, lasted four minutes. Three minutes, four to six seconds. All right. Um, yeah. So that was a wild adventure. At least every participant that was supposed to be involved in that match was there. Yep. Everybody showed up for that one. And were present. Um, now we have the much, so I said they run the fucking... They run the fucking um, promo package for justice. He comes out. Now, I, I'm i going to retract my statement here. I was under the impression that Matt Justice and Gangrel went like 15 minutes. But yeah, apparently that- they only went 749. Yeah, it felt – I don't know. It felt 20 to me. Yeah. Um, because he puts in his all every fucking time, brother. Yeah, I just remember talking to uh, Gangrel that Monday uh, at training, and I was like, so what happened to Blackcraft? And he was like, they they fucking crucified a man on the <laughs> stage. And I, I don't know. Like, I was, I, I, I worked, and I, I got, like, really hammered, and I just, and I left. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Uh, so that happened. Uh, and again, another match that I would have been like, this match doesn't need to happen. But whatever, you know, Justice needs to do something. Um, then there's another promo. And then they have a woman's tag match, The Essence, which is Harlow O'Hara and Vipress versus Kimberly and Machiko-san. And that's uh, supposed to be Kimberly. That was um, originally supposed to be Laney Luck. So that was a last-minute change as well. That's odd. How did you get Kimberly? Because, like, no offense to Lady Luck, but at that stage in her career, Kimberly's, like, the upgrade. Yeah. So, like, I don't know what happened there. But I don't know why this match needed a promo. Uh, it got a promo. And then uh, the next match is Simon Grimm versus uh, Penta L Zero. Which um, was also a change-up. Yeah, because he was Penta was supposed to wrestle Sam Adonis. So again, we're having substitutions. Like we don't need this match. Like I okay, I get you booked Penta, but okay. Here's the thing: you have two matches where the opponents changed. So how about instead of having G Raver wrestle Schlack in a death match, how about you just have G Raver wrestle Penta? Because you booked Penta and you want to deliver Penta. 
just just and I'm not saying put Penta in a deathmatch scenario, but just be like have a match, G Raver, you're a wrestler, right? Have a match. Yeah. It can be a little hardcore if you want, but just have a match. Yeah. So that match goes three minutes and forty nine seconds, or so about four minutes. Um Mm-hmm. At this point, um, they have a number one contenders match again. This match didn't need to happen. It went eight minutes and ten seconds. Uh, it, Luchasaurus it, was available for this show, so, <laughs> so he um, was there. He was present. He was present. Uh, Teddy Hart won. So again, completely unnecessary. Like fuck Teddy Hart. <laughs> uh. uh then you have a no DQ match between Misato Tanaka and Chris Dickinson that went 16 minutes because they just don't give a fuck. They gave zero fucks and they literally <laughs> the fucking piss out of each other. You know, if there's one match that needed that, I was like, yeah, you guys do that. I don't yeah, give a you guys, fuck. You guys go however long you want, man. You guys, you need this. Like, what the fuck? So um, I don't know if that match went longer than it was supposed to go. Or if they were like, if Chris Dickinson just looked the promoter in the face and was like, you know who the fuck I am. I'm going to go as long as I fucking want. And I'm going to Masato fucking Tanaka. You can go fuck yourself. I'm going to go 15, bare minimum. You should have known what you were getting into. Now, when you- now, now, we keep mentioning these times and these things. So as we get into the final stretch here, we really have to emphasize the dilemma because basically the venue is saying it's like they're giving them a hard out. It's like you have to be out by like two is it two AM, two thirty or something? Like there was like a hard thirty. Yeah. So like and it was like we are going to shut down. Like our employees were told they were leaving at two thirty. That's when they're fucking leaving. And I think even there was a threat being made that if they didn't get the show done by two thirty they were going to cancel the rest of the weekend events. Like the venue wasn't going to host the rest of the events. Yeah. They were going to cancel the rest of the collective, which is, which includes like, not just the, it just includes Joy Janela's spring break part two, which is like the biggest show of the weekend. Yeah. So it's like, they're in a real bad spot. Um, so after Chris Dickinson, they have the Blackcraft women's title match, which is 25 seconds. <laughs> And it's essentially just a brawl to the outside where they fight, fight, fight until the referee counts them out for, um, you know, not being in the fucking ring. Yeah. Uh, and if I remember correctly, it ended with Soraya Knight cunt punting um, fucking Maria Maniac. Heard. Which uh, is, uh, you can probably assume what that wrestling move is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then we have the Blackcraft heavyweight title match. Johnny Blackcraft versus uh, Go Fuck Yourself, David Starr. Um, It's actually David Go Fuck Yourself Starr. I don't care where he wants it. It's Uh, it's actually uh, one of of 700 monikers. Um, So if you thought 25 seconds was just not enough for a wrestling match, you said 25 seconds for this women's title. (laughs) Okay, Johnny Blackcraft looked at that 25 seconds and was like, I can beat that. (laughs) 25 seconds, hold my fucking uh, bong. (laughs) 25 seconds, hold my kombucha. (laughs) (laughs) Hold my GT's kombucha. Uh, shout out to GT's kombucha. It's awful. It tastes like garbage. Um, <laughs> so that match goes for 
a whopping 11 seconds, and it's uh, lost by uh, David Starr loses by roll-up. Mm-hmm. So we just took all the time in the world to um, – uh, we gave we gave the last two matches a combined 36 seconds. So um, that we can have the moment of the night, which is Doug Bradley getting his fucking throat slit by Matthew Justice so that he can get a title shot. But before we really talk about that, we have to talk about the best part of this entire documentary, which is the original plan for the show closer. And Chelsea, I don't know if you or Caden are more excited about this, so whoever wants to talk about it. I, holy fuck. Like, I had to pause the documentary, and I just had to, like, I had to live with that for a second. Uh... So Brandon Lombardo says that the original plan for the show closer is we've got PCO right now. He's got the scarification and what have you that's, that's leading up to this. And that um, the original plan for PCO was New Jack. And we were just going to have New Jack beat the shit out of PCO and just like, ruined him as a person and PCO was just going to no-sell it the entire time. And then New Jack's like, well, there's only one fucking way, brother. And takes out a gun and fucking shoots PCO and kills him. And that's the end of the show. So that was that was the idea. Um, that was the idea that they came up with. But this, but they didn't have to, they didn't nix the idea because, um, uh, because New Jack shooting a man seemed like a fucking bad, a really bad idea. Or, the gun, or because the gun could have actually been loaded and he could have actually killed PCO. Or because the gun could have misfired and fucking killed one of the lovely fucking people there. No, it happened because PCO had been signed to Ring of Honor. So uh, their next plan was um, a disheveled, we, we will take Matthew Justice to come out uh, all pissed off with his whatever type of like next uh, opportunity money in the bank briefcase type gimmick, which I assume is like a fucking urn from like a, somebody's grandma's funeral or something. Um, possibly the heart of a fucking, you know, dead witch, whatever it may be um, to cash it in. I think a chalice actually not a thing about it um, to cash in on the champ at the time. Who's Johnny Blackcraft, who, after his 11-second match, is completely fucking winded. He just went through an absolute roll-up war with David Starr. Um, so Matthew Justice comes out uh, to the stands next to the preacher, and he says something along the lines of, okay. I want my shot at fucking Johnny Blackcraft right now. And fucking the preacher says, yeah, you'll get that shot. Over my dead body, which I'm thinking is a callback to Angels with Filthy Souls. You know that fucking mobster movie in Home Alone? That's two Home Alone references. What's up, Macaulay Culkin? Um, And so Matthew Justice proceeds to pull a knife out of thin air and slit the preacher's throat, splurting blood everywhere on the crowd. I was actually on the stage during this. Like, 
back against the wall being like, yo, what the fuck are they doing? Oh, God, what what are they doing? So anyway, dead preacher, Matthew Justice symbolically steps over his dead body and goes in there and defeats um, Johnny Blackcraft for the title in a nine-second match. Johnny Blackcraft wrestled for 20 seconds at Blackcraft Wrestling. David Starr wrestled for 11 seconds. And the man who takes the title at the end is the one who just went and did, uh, what, almost eight minutes with with a fucking vampire. And uh, he's coming and beating Johnny Blackcraft, the 11-second warrior. One could say that Matthew Justice was booked strong he was booked strong he was booked strong brother so this happens this is over the fucking um the show is over or is it or is it i wish you guys could see my fucking because literally and the way they talk about in the in the in the fucking um in the doc the documentary is like they get that they get the fucking blood slid in they're like basically they're saying like we can't cut this we spent all this money for special effects. We have to fucking do this. They do it. They get the shot in. They get the fucking title change. And literally they go, oh, fuck. There was supposed to be a battle royal because they had kept oh, pushing wait. the battle royal to get to other stuff. <laughs> and it wasn't even that. It was like they realized that it was like 2.20 in the morning and they had 10 minutes left. And they were like, they originally they had cut the battle royal already at this point. They were like, fuck it. Fuck the battle royal. But then they well, looked at each other and they were like, we still have 10 minutes left. And they were like, fuck yeah, let's do a battle royal. Let's do it. Everybody go out. Go, 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 go. And so, literally, Ziggy Dice is winning the battle royal when the the crew is literally doing the light flick. They're like, guys, got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, and just so, like. Yep. So I, um, we were hanging out with Eric Cannon at one point, and we were like, dude, are you working? Why are you in your gear? He's like, brother, I don't know if I'm fucking working. Like, I was booked to be in this battle royal. I was supposed to open the show. And then they pushed it to the middle of the show. And then they told us it's not going to be on the show. And now they're saying it might be at the end of the show uh, if everything works out well. He's like, I don't know, man. I'm just going to keep drinking. And I was like, I like where your fucking head is at. You're beautiful. Um, so uh, the uh, the they end up doing the Baphomet Battle Royal, uh, which, like we've said before, is Ziggy Dice wins, uh, which makes him the first person to wrestle for Black. It puts him in the first match of Blackcraft of all time ever in the last time. Um, so losing the first match ever, for Blackcraft and the winner of the last match at Blackcraft, uh, which is something no one else can say. But members that, or people that were in this battle royal were uh, along along with Ziggy, uh, Ziggy Dice was Anthony Green, Eric Cannon, Atticus Kogar. Um, I'm just trying to pull names that I know. Connor Braxton, Casanova Valentine, um, Kit Osborne. Rory Gulak, Pinky Sanchez, Lady Frost, uh, Lord Crew, Mance Warner, uh, Stockade, Sledge, and Just Incredible, 
um, and most importantly, Swoggle. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was an adventure. A lot of crazy things happened in that. Uh, and I think a lot of those people were also in the clusterfuck match. At yeah, Joe's- it was basically like six man scramble. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was an adventure. So they talk at the, the, um, they're talking about, uh, on the, uh, on the documentary, they said, and that was it. We had no plans afterwards, which is a lie. Which is like, because you had Teddy Hart win a number one contenders match. Well, like, um, so, like, I mean, they could have said, like, you know, we had no plans after this, which, like, is, okay, whatever. Like, you crowned the champion, but maybe you haven't booked anything um, and whatever. But that's a fucking lie. Because October 5th in Anaheim, California of 2018 was supposed to be Reaper's Revenge. It was... Blackcraft's first show in California and their debut in SoCal, I guess, technically, um, that was um, pinned to uh, be featuring Johnny Blackcraft, Jody uh, Brody King, PCO, which they already knew wasn't a part of the company, um, Joey Ryan, who we all know clearly would not be working if the show happened today, uh, and many more. Um they had uh, video packages that were, like, shared for it at some point. Um, and, like, quite a few other things going on. So, um, SoCal, uh, Blackcraft SoCal debut uh, event will also feature Joey Janela, Dame, uh, Damien666, Beastia666, Sam Adonis, Gangrel, and more. Reaper's Revenge will feature a live performance of uh, from Ice Nine Kills and a Trigger Within. So there was bands booked, there was wrestlers booked, there was a venue booked, and everything. So um, I don't know. That was kind of fun that they were like saying like this wasn't going to happen. And uh, like we kind of said before, uh, we had contacts with um, people involved, and we were trying to get ourselves in things. Um, and there was. Tampa shows in the works. There was Atlanta shows in the works. Um, and obviously build building to a Tampa fucking um, mania weekend situation too. But God damn Twitter roasted um, black craft, like a fucking Publix uh, Turkey or Publix fucking chicken and threw that lemon pepper seasoning right on top of it. It was it was bad because I was thinking because I was in Manhattan at the time and a friend of mine uh, we were all hanging out in the in their hotel room. He was like, "Yeah, I'm probably gonna go. I gotta catch the dream to Jersey." And I was like, "Oh, that sounds that sounds cool." And he was like, "Yeah, you want to come?" And I was like. Sure, and I ended up not going because um, I think I fell asleep. But um, I was getting some texts from the event, and they were like, "Ooh, ooh, yeah, maybe, maybe it's a good thing." Basically, I think to sum it up, um, the documentary doesn't really go into any kind of speculation about like, uh, could there be a return? Da da da. It was kind of more of like a, yeah, it happened. We're glad it happened, but it's over. Um, and they don't really go in, like you said, they just they kind of act like 
They kind of act like Twitter literally roasted them into like like being ashamed to continue to promote. Like they're like they're like, oh, we're there's just no point. Everyone hates us. And honestly, like you know, it's been over a year, uh, you know, like since they ran. And I don't know, man. Like if the world was a different place right now, if wrestling wasn't in such a bad place and on on an independent level at least. Um, fuck, man. I would love to see a Black Craft pop up show. Like, even if it was just like, just completely unannounced, like just like a secret, like kind of like an old school punk show. Like, it's just like Halloween secret show. Like, hey, Black Craft Wrestling, and it's like no bullshit. Like, maybe a little bullshit because we like the bullshit a little bit, but like, but like, don't overbook it. No, like long bullshit. No sacking. No fucking crucifixions. No mm-hmm. slitting anyone's throat. Maybe we'll get New Jack to shoot someone. Maybe. Um, but, you know, just have a fucking wrestling show. And, like, I I think there was so much potential to this brand. And I think the fact that it's this year later, this year plus later, and we're all, we're clearly not the only ones who are still thinking about this or still wanting to talk about this. The fact that this guy went out of his way to make a fucking full-on documentary about it. Um, and it's getting reaction online. So it's like, I think there's, if I'm not saying Blackcraft wrestling itself has to come back, but like, there's a place for stuff like this. Yeah. And definitely. I, I want to see something like this come up again. I was, I was saying, uh, before we started cutting the pod that like, I have this, like m- the best case scenario, at least for me is next year, um, Tampa mania and the world is hopefully in a better place. Um, you look at the list of like the shows, like every year you look at the list and it's like, you know, whatever. But um, right after Joey Janela's spring break is um, Matt, uh, Matthew justice secret show. And that's it. That's all that it says. And you show up to Matthew justice secret show and the black craft fucking banners drop from the sky and like fucking light show and like whatever and it's fucking black craft and they're back from the dead um that would be dope or the other idea that we had was um selling it as some like two-bit promotion that's like bullet championship wrestling or like broward county wrestling or something and uh they're running a mania show at midnight. And once you get there, that's not what BCW stands for. It stands for black craft wrestling. Yeah. So. I just want to see that, that the audible gasp is like, they open doors and people walk in and they see the aprons and the fucking banners. And it's like, Oh fuck. It's black. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm thinking back from the dead is a great uh, title for the pay-per-view. Or some apologies. I don't know either way. Some <laughs> they could they could make it Nirvana themed and it could be all apologies. Either way, like we have options here. Oh no, I actually have a good one. Um, apologies from the dead. Apologies from the dead. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I think we've I think we've done it. I think we may have we probably went longer than the actual We definitely uh, did. We definitely yeah, did. Yeah. 
in true Demon Road Diaries fashion, without even the guests, we went over time. Brother, I don't believe in time. I believe in making art. Time is fucking irrelevant, especially when you're booked strong. So, I, I guess that's it. Do we need to... Um, is there anything else we need to address? Um, I... I really want to try to get a hold of the this uh, Mr. Benjamin Fabo because I I really enjoyed his work and I, I kind of I hope I'm not promising it but I'm gonna work on trying to maybe get this guy on to do an interview because I uh, I really want to know his like how he came to decide to do this because I know we we talked and joked about it for 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 months of like yeah. someone's got to do a Blackcraft documentary and this motherfucker went and did it. Uh, yeah. yeah, I gotta I gotta. I need, like, behind the process of, like, collecting Matthew Justice and Zicky Dice and Soraya Knight and uh, Brandon Lombardo and all these people to actually talk about what happened. Mm -hmm. So, Benji, if you are listening, please feel free to reach out to us uh, on any of our social medias. You can find Demon Road Diaries by simply searching Demon Road Diaries on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find the coda at We Are The Coda on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Gmail, and ProWrestlingTees.com slash We Are The Coda. You can find me personally at MusicCityKG on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find my uh, YouTube weirdo personality, Katie, on the TikTok machine at DJ Katie. Uh, and you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and on TikTok at Bastard Sun Rios. It's not gone yet, goddammit. Trump can't take my fucking TikTok from me. I got so many memes now. He'll never take my TikTok. You can find me on Instagram at Durden Says, on Twitter at The Durden Says, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Chelsea Durden if you're interested in helping me put my cats through college. Uh, Captain America is getting his master's degree in uh, gender studies, and it's very expensive. Uh, please leave my mother alone on Instagram. She's a wonderful person and doesn't appreciate your hateful comments. Uh, if you would like to buy my charity shirt with all proceeds going to... Uh, a domestic violence women's shelter and outreach program called AVDA. You can reach out to me on any social media. Um, and as always, folks, from all of us here at Demon Road Diaries, we would like you to stay safe and stay jacked. You know why we stay jacked is because we're booked strong. We're fucking book strong, brother.